Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. What is the Ontario government's back-to-school plan? A new poll suggests most Canadians support the latest round of COVID lockdowns. The latest restrictions are once again affecting your bank account. A recent graduate of Hamilton's Westmount High School has been selected as a finalist for a prestigious scholarship. The Canadian Premier League is now searching for a new commissioner. We talk with the former league boss. And will Tiger Woods play in the Masters in April? The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. We're expecting to hear fingers and toes crossed good news later on today when Education Minister Stephen Lecce stands up and uh, holds a news conference that you will be able to hear live on 900 CHML at 1.30 this afternoon as he announces the return to in-class learning as of Monday. Lots of reaction to this, obviously, from parents, teachers, uh, students, uh, everyone involved in the school system. Uh, we heard uh, earlier this morning from NDP education critic Merritt Stiles on this, and she's quite torn at the fact that uh, schools are reopening. I, I want my kid back in school, but I got to say, I'm feeling um, a little nervous. Also, I think like a lot of parents and students and others out there, uh, that there isn't going to be the testing and reporting. And it's also pretty clear the government uh, just doesn't seem that ready. Uh, to be able to sort of convince parents, I think, like me and like others, that that schools are actually uh, not going to become sources uh, of outbreaks. There is some apprehension for sure in the community. Annie Kidder is the Executive Director of People for Education and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Annie. Good morning, Rick. There are, as you heard from Merritt Stiles, so many questions, so many what-ifs. Hopefully we get some answers today. (laughs) Yeah, and I think torn is a is a good word, and and also answers. So I think that what everybody is looking for is a very very clear plan, uh, with very clear kind of measurable goals to say we're going to do this, and we expect to have X number of whatever masks, tests, uh, support staff. Um, this is how we're going to measure. Uh, the sort of level of sickness in schools. So they're saying they're not going to report anymore on COVID data from schools. So what are they going to report on? Uh, BC set a kind of benchmark for if absenteeism uh, increases by 10%, then we'll assume it's an outbreak, then we'll look further. So I think what everybody wants, everybody working in education, people like me on the outside watching this, is very, very clear, very concrete um, uh, goals, a plan, um, and indicators so that, you know, we will hear, and if, if we hit this number, then we will do this. I think that that's what we all want right now. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to get that, to be honest. You know, <laughs> from what we've seen in the past about, you know, back-to-school plans or uh, or whatever the case is, even in, in, in uh, you know, other settings, whether it's hospitals, I mean, the, the plans haven't really been that crystal clear, and it's unfortunate. But on the positive cases front and, and those case numbers or case counts not being reported in the school setting, I think parents want to know that information, and I understand um, why they want to know that. Because, you know, if their kid is going to a particular school and there's a couple of cases or an outbreak, whatever the case is, I think they want that they want that information. 
Yes, they do. I mean, I will tell you, I have COVID right now. I know everybody talks about it as being mild. It hasn't felt mild to me. I have nobody to report to. I finally had a positive, you know, rapid test. Everybody in my family did. We've been incredibly safe. I don't have young children going to school. Um, so, of course, everybody wants to know because you're all, all of us are trying to keep ourselves, our family, everybody else safe. So it's, it, it kind of, it, it felt so shocking at the beginning when they sent out a directive saying, do not report on COVID cases anymore to school boards. Um, that, that came out um, just before the new year. But on the other hand, I know as a person with COVID, I have nobody to tell. So there, there is no way anymore of keeping track of COVID cases uh, because we don't have enough testing capacity because um, the system is overwhelmed. So it, there should be a much clearer, more concrete way of doing this in schools. Hopefully they will have rapid tests. And I would hope that there would be some way of, as a parent, if I'm keeping my kid home, of reporting to somebody, I suspect my child has COVID or I know my child has COVID, so that at least there's some there's some tracking happening um, in schools or, or even at a board level. But right now, that system doesn't exist either. So, But this is happening across Canada. So it seems as if we've decided we're going to we're going to pick new indicators to track. And they may be things that are easier to keep up track of, again, like absenteeism. So if you count absenteeism and you suddenly see a change, uh, in the absenteeism, then then you're going to have to sort of make guesses about it. The other, pe- you know, yes, it's scary for parents sending their kids to school, but imagine all the staff in schools knowing I'm in a class where two or the three of the kids might have COVID. And again, I'd not to use myself as the example all the way through, but as a person with COVID, it's terrible. I have been really sick for a week. So if I'm a school staff member, I'm a teacher, I get COVID, I'm vaccinated, I'm boosted, I still got COVID, then I'm out too. So it, it's, I'm not saying schools aren't safe. And I'm not, I, I, it's incredibly important that we try and keep schools open. But having data and information is really important. And the Minister of Health was asked yesterday repeatedly, so what's changed that now we are opening schools? And finally, she, you know, she sort of hemmed and hawed. And then she said, we've had more time to prepare. So hopefully, when teachers are back in on Monday, or all school staff, they all have N95 masks, every single one of them. But they should, the government should report on that, the numbers, the exact numbers in schools. All classes should have HEPA, you know, air purification units. That number should be reported on too. And then there should be a way to report up into the system, up until before Christmas, every single day there were reports on cases in schools. There needs to be a way for schools to report on on absenteeism or on families reporting that their their kids or staff reporting that they have COVID so that we can keep track. Because without information, I think that we keep making decisions a little bit more based on maybe polling and politics than they are on, uh, you know, good evidence. Totally agree with that. Uh, we're out of time. I hope you feel a lot oh, better and, and kick COVID's butt. Um, so, yeah, best wishes in, in your fight with, uh, with COVID. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye. That is Annie Kidder, the Executive Director of People for Education. We should also mention that the government is not offering PCR tests for students and teachers unless they become symptomatic while at school. And hopefully some clarification from the Education Minister at 1.30 this afternoon. You'll hear that news conference live here on 900 CHML.
You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A new poll suggests a slim majority of Canadians support the latest round of COVID-19 lockdowns. Certainly having those here in Ontario as we're back into stage two. Christian Bork is an executive vice president and partner at Leger and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Christian. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Tell us about this new poll. What did you find? Yeah, well, uh, we wanted to sort of dig in after the holidays in terms of how people are seeing the sort of this new round of lockdowns and safety measures that have been put in place in different provinces. And what we're seeing over time is a slow um, degradation of, of of the level of satisfaction of Canadians with their premiers and their policy. Uh, for example, if François Legault in Quebec, which used to be in the mid-80s in terms of satisfaction, is now down to the low 60s. Same with Mr. Horgan in BC. Um, uh, Doug Ford is now below 50% in terms of approval rating. So slowly Canadians are starting to you know, get sort of this safety measure fatigue um, that I think we were all sort of dreading. Um, and, and certainly in, in the face of this new uh, wave of the, uh, uh, of the pandemic, it is not necessarily a good sign for, for government. It'll be tougher to get Canadians to do what they are asked to do. While the uh, focus on uh, provincial premiers has certainly been of a negative one, the poll also found that 56% of respondents uh, said that they are uh, in agreement with governments, that they're making the right decisions while Omicron quickly spreads. Yeah, what's interesting in the, in when you look at the data is this other third of Canadians who are saying, well, maybe because most of us are vaccinated, we should just go about our lives and, and, and sort of live with with a certain risk. I mean, this is the whole Boris Johnson philosophy now in, in Great Britain of saying, you know, life must go on. And, and it's starting to, to be popular. What's interesting as well is over or close to 85 percent of Canadians who are fully vaccinated believe that it protects them from getting complications from the disease or serious complications from it. So they're starting to come around and say, well, I've done my part. I'm vaccinated. Let's go about, let's go about our lives. 64% of respondents also support a vaccine passport for visiting places like stores, liquor stores, mm-hmm. cannabis shops, grocery stores, and 61% wanted vaccine requirements for public transit users. Are those numbers different from what was seen in the past, and, and is that a surprise? What is new in, the, in this data, it's over 70% of those vaccinated say that the vaccine passport uh, should be expanded or anyways, that greater limitations be put on this, the uh, liberties of non-vaccinated Canadians. And I think what's new in, in the discourse of different heads of state, whether it's Justin Trudeau or we've seen it in, in Germany and France, uh, and certainly in some of the provinces here in Canada, is now governments are pointing the finger. Um, it is, quote-unquote, their fault, uh, what is happening now. And more and more we're hearing when we're reporting on cases and hospitalization is while the non-vaccinated only account for a small minority, they're a majority of, of uh, ICU cases right now in, uh, in our province. Uh, and I think governments now are left in, well, they're trying to dial in to this sort of uh, frustration that fully vaccinated Canadians are having with the small minority of people who refuse the vaccine. We are chatting with Christian Bork. He's an executive vice president and partner at Leger. And their latest poll suggests a slim majority of Canadians support the latest round of COVID-19 lockdowns. When it comes to the unvaccinated, almost two-thirds say they're in favor of creating a separate area in hospitals for those unvaccinated patients. 
who would have thought? <laughs> like, this was one, uh, just the word when we actually, a separate area, as if we were segregating hospitals all of a sudden, and 70% of vaccinated Canadians are for it, and, and um, close to two out of three Canadians in, uh, in total, which is, I think, something new, this, this idea of, uh, how do we crack down on these people? If you look at uh, in Quebec, for example, when the premier announced last week that uh, you would need to show your vaccine passport to enter enter government-run liquor stores and cannabis stores, uh, the public applauded. Um, and last uh, or yesterday, he actually sort of threw the weather balloon out. What about a vax tax or some form of health tax for non-vaccinated Quebecers? And so far, there's been opposition to it, but a lot of vaccinated Quebecers are saying it's about time. So I think governments now are in this phase where they're starting to point the finger, something they always refuse to do uh, since the start of the pandemic. Yeah, there's the start of, of, of when we've had vaccines the discussion is being had now in Ontario, not uh, to to the extent that Premier Legault has introduced it already, but other European countries are also thinking about this anti-vax tax as well. Christian, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for the time, and uh, we'll chat with you next time a, a new Leger poll comes out. All right, my pleasure. That's Christian Bork, Executive VP and partner at Leger, uh, chatting to us about, uh, well, their latest poll that shows a slim majority of Canadians support the latest round of COVID lockdown, 62% of respondents say they were satisfied with the federal government's response to COVID-19. Exact same results for municipal governments, but when it comes to provincial governments, they're lagging a little bit behind. They saw 5% decline from the last time around, with only 58% saying that they were satisfied with how their provinces are responding to this COVID crisis. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Yeah, COVID-19 and money seem to be going hand in hand, or at least COVID-19 and a lack of money as restrictions and lockdowns continue to have an impact uh, not only here in Hamilton, but across Ontario, throughout the world, really. Wherever there is a lockdown or a restriction, there is a massive financial ripple effect, and we have felt that uh, here in this community. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. I'm your host, Rick Samprin. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. And we're having an important conversation about um, debt and debt load and the financial impact of COVID with our next guest. Paul Anadiak is his name. He's the Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions and uh, joins us now on GMH. Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great, Rick. It's uh, great to be back on your show. I'm glad we got through that little cold snap we've had the last couple of days because that was not enjoyable being outside, I can tell you that. Yeah, absolutely not. It's nice to have a, a, a temperature much more uh, enjoyable than uh, we saw over the last couple of days. Um also not uh, as enjoyable uh, for many people are the restrictions and lockdowns that are back into effect that's having, obviously, an impact on people's finances. You know, case counts are up again. We're back into our modified stage two, if you will. Uh, and these closures and these restrictions having an impact on many households because they have reduced incomes. Some have no income at all. Let's talk about the financial strain that so many of our listeners are facing today. You know, these continue to be uncertain times for many households here in Ontario and right across Canada and globally, actually. We're 22 months in. That's an amazing stat right there. 22 months in from when we started in, in that one March saying it's going to be a couple of weeks, but here we are. And the pa pandemic's still going, so it's still wreaking havoc on Canadian finances. 
Back in November, we talked about our BDO affordability index that was eroding the standard of living here uh, in Ontario and Canada. You know, 59% at that time said they weren't confident they'll be able to restore their standard of living. You know, those that were carrying debt into the pandemic, 43% added new debt. 70% said this new debt was make their standard of living worse. You know, and a quarter are saying it's a challenge to feed themselves and their family. So when you look at these stats, it's no wonder that money woes are the top of the problems of many Canadians and they're stressed out. So what is, your, what is your advice to listeners who are struggling financially to make ends meet? They're seeing those credit card bills pile up maybe from the holidays. They're looking at their budget if they have one. Are there things that they can be doing to lessen the financial strain? Uh, definitely. And one thing Canadians and, and people here in the Hamilton area need to know is that there are support. There's support on a number of levels. The first level of support I always talk about is what the, the government is providing. So take a look at what both the federal and provincial governments are providing. They've uh, extended a lot of their benefits until May. Now, the important thing to remember about the federal and uh, provincial benefits is when you're looking at them, make sure that you qualify for them. Because what's going to happen in the end, and we're already seeing it from the federal government, if you've applied for a benefit and you've received it and you didn't qualify, you're going to have to pay that back. The second level of support that I always talk about is really the mental level of support. There is help out there. If you're struggling, if you're struggling mentally, having trouble getting by, reach out. Look at your, if you're still working, look at your employer's helpline. See what you can, who you can call, who you can talk to. There's a lot of great uh, helplines out there, you know, even the city of Hamilton. Reach out, talk to someone because you're not alone. If you feel like you're alone through this pandemic, that's the opposite. We're all experiencing it. And the third level of support I always look at is your own personal level of support. Take a looking at your own finances. Talk to a professional such as a licensed insolvency trustee because no, there are always options to get out of your financial difficulty. And one of those is creating a budget if you don't already have one. That's right. A budget is, is great. Half, we know half of Canadians don't have a budget. And we even talked about last week uh, on your show when the uh, Global News uh, survey came out that that was one of the goals of many Canadians. So now's the time to sit down and start looking at a budget. Now, a budget is helpful because it can help you take a look at where the money's coming in and where it's going out. The, the sad part is a lot of Canadians, you know, nowadays don't realize where they're spending their money to. It comes down to, you know, things like tap technology. When you're at the store, you know, you, it's as simple as swiping your card if you see something that catches your eye. But you have to remember, you stick to your budget because what's going to happen is if you don't stick your budget, you're going to draw upon your credit and eventually your credit's going to run out. One of the things I'm seeing lately, people who are giving me a call, is the, the pandemic's finally catching up to them where they've actually maxed out all their credit cards and they don't know where to turn to. So having a proper budget's going to allow you to take a look and see where you can cut your expenses. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Paul Anadiak, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions. You can find them online, bdodebtsolutions.ca. Paul and I will also be on the air this Saturday at 11 o'clock. You can tune in then as well. We'll chat about a lot of these same things. These latest round of restrictions, as we know, um, could prove to be the financial tipping point for many of these uh, people who are struggling to make ends meet. What's your advice to these people who are feeling overwhelmed? They're, they're, you can see the debt stress on their face. 
Well, find out your options. You know, just knowing that there are options actually relieves a bit of that stress right there. Knowing that you have somewhere to turn to, that your finances will improve over time, because the pandemic's not going to be here forever. Everyone knows that. It's just a matter of when it's going to be leaving. So now's the time you can start improving your financial situation. So when we leave the pandemic, you're going to be able to have a better financial situation. You're going to be able to start tackling your goals. And actually, you're going to be able to start enjoying life. Right now, a lot of Canadians are not enjoying life because they're locked down. But it's also that added stress of their debt. So take the time to find out your options right now. Any final advice for our listeners? You know, enjoy life. You know, life is short. That's one thing the pandemic has taught us. So don't let that stress overwhelm your life. Again, find out your options, know your options, speak to a professional, make sure that you got a financial plan. Hey, we're only in the second week of January. We've got a lot of 2022 to go. So now is the time to start planning for the rest of the year. And uh, one of those options, make sure you call or contact a credible organization like BDO, 1-855-BDO-DEBT or online debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Paul, always appreciate the time. We'll chat with you on Saturday. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you Saturday. That's Paul Anadiak, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions. Yeah, if you're finding it tough financially, and I know there are a lot of you out there listening right now in that boat. You know, you've maxed out the credit cards. The line of credit is maxed out. The bank account is run dry. There are options available. And Paul, uh, you know, we've done a show on Saturdays for years now, says one of the best options is to act now. Don't wait because it's only going to get worse if you don't have a proper plan in place. So whether it's filing for bankruptcy, and we hate to use that B word, maybe a consumer proposal is the way to go. Maybe you just need debt management or maybe you just need a budget to get you on that right path. Uh, So contact a company like BDO, or there's a host of other ones out there as well, and get uh, yourself back on solid financial footing. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A recent grad of Hamilton's Westmount Secondary School has been selected as a finalist for the Lauren 2022 Scholarship. Rhea Shind is that person and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Rhea. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you today? Good, thanks. Well, tell us about this scholarship. What's it all about? Of course. Uh, so the Loran Award is a national scholarship, as you know. Uh, it's valued at over $100,000 and open to high school students attending post-secondary in the fall. Uh, selections for the scholarship are based on the foundation's three pillars. So that is character, commitment to service, and leadership potential. So why did you apply? Honestly, that's a great question. Um, I actually applied last year as well, and I took a gap year this year, which uh, honestly kind of gave me an edge. But uh, I thought it would be a perfect fit just given the extracurriculars that I did. Uh, I'm an active member in my cadet corps. I volunteer at the hospital. I am also uh, do a few clubs at my high school. So I thought it'd be a pretty good fit for me. So from what I understand, there were thousands of applicants, like 5,000, um, 330-some-odd semifinalists, and now there are 90 finalists, which you are a part of. How do they uh, go through that kind of process? What happens in the application process to get to the semifinal stage and now the finalist stage? Uh, great question, Rick. So um, first off, you have the general application So that application consists of short essays, um, a few financial details about your background, um, but mostly they're just trying to get an idea of who you are as a person. Uh, And then after that, if they like your application, they then reach out to you for a semifinal interview. 
So I was reached out in late November, and the semifinal interviews, it consists of three one-on-one interviews and then one panel interview. So it was a pretty stressful process, but um, <laughs> it, it went by okay. So what are some of the questions that they threw at you? Um, honestly, they were just trying to get to know me as a person. They were very personal. Uh, a few of them were just about like what I do outside of school. Uh, and then most of them were problem solving and what I would do in a tough situation. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Rhea Shind, an Ontario Scholar, uh, Lauren Scholarship 2022 finalist, uh, joining us here on the show. Now that you're in the top 90, you're, uh, you're one of the 90 finalists, what was your reaction to getting that word that you have made at least the final 90? Honestly, it was so surreal. I was in the car when I got the phone call and I had to pull over. Um, <laughs> but it was just such an amazing experience. Even just getting to the semifinalist position, meeting the other semifinalists and hopefully soon to be scholars. Uh, it was just such a great experience. They're so welcoming. It's so nice being part of the community even just Hamilton community. So uh, it was a great feeling. So how do the winners, or how are the winners chosen? Is it just one winner? Is there a group? How does this work now? Yeah, so uh, the 90 finalists will now compete in national uh, finalist interviews. So it's very similar to semifinals, but there are four one-on-one interviews now. There is one panel interview and then another interview with the national co-chairs. Okay, so, so and- is there just one winner? No, there are 36 scholars. Okay, excellent. So what is encapsulated in this scholarship? What do you get? Um, so you get a matching tuition waiver. Uh, you are able to uh, do a mentorship. So they pair you up with one of their uh, community mentors. And then they basically provide any uh, type of funding you need for research projects or even any summer programs. So all in all, they take care of your post-secondary education, whether that be tuition, residence, or even outside of school and research. That's pretty sweet. What would that mean to you? Uh, to me, I'm actually headed out to UBC next year. So uh, I'm going to do an undergrad in political science. So I would love to use that towards my degree and any type of overseas uh, programs that I would do. So what are your career goals? You're going into the political science field. Yeah, so um, honestly, I personally want to join the Canadian Armed Forces after I graduate and hopefully be a legal officer within the forces. Wow, that's a pretty good gig. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How long is that going to take, do you figure? Um, honestly, I would have to finish law school, so uh, four years of undergrad and then three years of law school, so about seven years. Wow, that is pretty cool. Are you following in anyone's footsteps? Does anyone kind of spark your interest in this field? Not really. Uh, trying to make my own way, I guess. That is pretty cool. So when do you find out if you do, in fact, uh, obtain one of these scholarships? Uh, so interviews are in late February, so I'd find out in March. Wow. Well, you'll have to keep us posted, and we'll have to have you back on, uh, indeed, if you do uh, obtain one of these scholarships. It's pretty cool. I'd love to be back, Rick. Rhea, thanks for the time. Good luck, and uh, yeah, keep us posted. No worries. Thank you. That is Rhea Shind. She is a recent Westmount Secondary School grad, uh, one of 90 finalists who's up for a Lauren 2022 scholarship, a whole heap of cash that goes to her post-secondary education, as you heard, wants to become a, uh, a lawyer in the military field and uh, is off to UBC 
for her um, for her studies. So that is uh, pretty darn on cool. And uh, she's from Hamilton. Way to go, Rhea. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The commissioner of the Canadian Premier League has decided to step down to pursue a new franchise in his hometown. His name is David Clanahan, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, David. Yeah, good morning, Rick. How are you? Not too bad yourself. Very good, thank you. You have decided to uh, step down as the uh, first CPL commissioner. Why make this move and why make this move now? Well, certainly, you know, I'd, I'd made a commitment uh, to the owners when, when they came in uh, and asked me to join their project uh, for, you know, a good three to four years. I've done that. Uh, although the plan wasn't to have two years of it, you know, as, you know, uh, struggling through COVID, although I would say that we not only did we uh, survive, we, we, we thrived through those years. So we've, I've done what I wanted to do. And I, I had called out early on that I, I really was interested in, in bringing a franchise um, myself to uh, down to the south southwestern Ontario to uh, Windsor Essex County, and so so we kind of came to an agreement that uh, if, if I was going to do it, now would be the time to do it, and uh, and the rest, so they say, is is recent history. Let's call it. <laughs> how do you how, how are you going to make this Windsor franchise work? What needs to be put in place? <clears throat> well, there's it's the same thing that everyone's got. The best part is I've had some on the job training here with this because of the, over the last couple of years with uh, with our expansion plans in the CPL. So. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, where do you play? Always the same. Not, not every, not every city or town in, in Canada is blessed with the Tim Hortons field, right? So, so, so being, you know, finding the right place to play, making sure it, it delivers the fan experience, fan and supporter experience that that uh, that you know people want to to have today. Uh, that's 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 key. So that's going to be the that's going to be the biggest uh, the biggest uh, uh, hurdle that we have to we have to overcome. We'll, and we'll work through that. There's lots of great ideas and. And the beauty of this is not every we don't all need to have a Tim Hortons field, uh, you know, to to be able to compete. You know, it's it's a beautiful facility, but but uh, but you don't need that. You just need something that fans are going to be proud of and 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 they'll uh, they'll flock to. Is there a specific timeline in mind, and are there other potential ownership groups around the uh, across the country who are saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I want a franchise in my hometown." Yeah, well, so first of all, like, let's talk to the timing piece. I think it would be unrealistic to think that we would ever be able to, uh, to bring this forward, uh, prior to 2020, the 2024 season. That's, that's the reality of it. These are the timelines that we're dealing with. And, and even that is, that's as if the sun, the moon, and the stars all align. But as long as uh, my goal is to, I want to be playing in the league. Uh, if we're going to do this, we got to be playing in the league before the uh, World Cup comes to Canada, and 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 obviously the rest of North, North America in 2026. Because to me, that's kind of the penultimate that everyone's shooting for right now. And I think uh, being, you know, being playing at playing at that point in time, we'll have hit the highest point, the highest watermark level of, ever in this country from a from a, the game of football or soccer, as we call it. We're in discussion with the uh, now former commissioner of the Canadian Premier League, David Clanahan, on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. You mentioned that the CPL has thrived during the COVID-19 pandemic. How so? What are what, what are the measurables that you can point to? Well, first of all, we've got expansion teams that have come through. Uh, we've, we number one when when the when COVID first hit, we I you know when I talked to the board of governors and and the owners, I said you know we cannot go dark. We have to play. Uh, we're too new of a league. People were not counting on us at that point in time. That you know, I think they thought it was going to be a bit of a, a massive body blow to the league to do it. And I said we have to, we have to be there. So, so we we came up with the Island Games, and you know, we 
use some of the things that we saw in other sports happening around the world. We just did it really, really well. And, and uh, we, 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 I think we got top marks for, for how we handled it. And then this year, we, uh, we, we promised that we wanted to be back playing in front of our home fans at one point or another, fans and supporters. And, and uh, so we started in Winnipeg at the kickoff in, in a smaller bubble. Uh, to get us going, uh, and then and then return to our home market. So we were able to deliver, deliver on that. So I think what's happened now is our fans and supporters and people are starting to count on us and be able to say, well, if they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it, and they're going to do it the right way. I think that's that's very important. And you know, so now when you look forward, we've we've announced a, a, a Vancouver franchise for 2023. Saskatoon is actually uh, in, in still going through their process of of working with the municipality and everything else, and where they'll play there because they've got a They've got an exclusive arrangement there. Uh, we now are talking about this Windsor-Essex County piece, and we have three or four other uh, other t- other groups that we're working with right now to kind of push their their bids across the line as well. So that's why when we talk about thriving, I would say that we're doing extremely well for our brand new league. And quite frankly, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of eyes uh, being opened around the world, and you know people are giving us a you know a thumbs up and a, and a, and a positive nod forward for what we've done so far, Rick. Uh, you're entering, uh, I believe it's season number four next year for the CPL. What would be your advice to the next CPL commissioner? Uh, that's a, I don't like handing out advice. No one wants to hear advice from a from a guy going out the door with, uh, <laughs> somebody to, from to somebody coming in. But I would say this: you know, we've we've gained a reputation for not uh, no is not in our vocabulary, and and we can do that because we're young and new, right? Uh, but but be creative, be innovative. You know, we, we've done a great job of listening to our fans and supporters. And, and, and you know, uh, you know, at the end, of the, there's an old there's an old saying, right? I'll, but I'll change it for sport. Fans and supporters aren't always right, but they are always the fans and the supporters. So, so you do have to you have to listen to what they have to say. And we've, we've adopted a lot of the things that they've, they've and, and, and ideas that they've uh, suggested and given to us. So I think it's just that that ability to say, hey, we haven't been around for over 100 years like some of these rest, some of the rest of the leagues in this world. We've even been close to the 25 years the MLS has been in North America. But, but so we can we can afford to be uh, to be uh, you know adaptable, right? And 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 be creative. So I think that's important. And that's uh, outside of that, just keep doing what we've been doing, and I think the, the league will continue to prosper and. Uh, and uh, and be successful. We have one more minute with uh, David Clanahan, the uh, now former CPL commissioner here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What has been the impact of the men's and the women's Canadian national uh, soccer teams? Well, I think it's I think it's uh, you know I think it's a flywheel, right? Like they've done so well, and they're and they're doing so well. Our women, our women's team will be the the, the gold medalists for the next four years, right? They'll be Olympic champions for four years. Our men's team has really, you know, they've hit their stride. And, and we're seeing great players coming out of Canada now um, and, and, and playing and bringing back the trophies from overseas because of the, their club their club level. And and you see the, the, the way it's being played in, in, in this country now. You know, I don't have to go any further back than the game in, in Edmonton in, in December with uh, between Canada and Mexico and to see, you know, 40, over 45,000 fans in Commonwealth Stadium watching that game in sub-zero temperatures in a snowstorm, a blizzard, really. Uh, it's, it was unbelievable. And, and so you can just see the game has caught fire in this country. Everything is working properly, and that's that flywheel effect, right? Every, so we've got now that there's a top-tier professional league in Canada, which is the Canadian Premier League. You've got the, uh, the Canadian championships are becoming extremely exciting for the Voyagers Cup. You know, you, you just 
and, and that that just gives that it creates that that, that north star and, and 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 shows young people there's a that their dreams are there is a next level to their dreams uh, which we've not had in this country for quite some time David, appreciate the time today. Congrats on all that you have achieved uh, with the Canadian Premier League, and good luck with the Expansion Club when it does, uh, in fact, uh, become a reality. Thank you very much, Rick, and thank you for all your support. That's David Clanahan, former CPL Commissioner, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Let's turn back to the sports world, and um, you know, a number of um, sporting leagues are uh, continuing to... Uh, do their thing during the COVID-19 pandemic, even with the arrival of Omicron. And uh, really, the golf world is no different. Events are being held week in and week out. Uh, But there are some interesting predictions that are being made by our next guest. Jason Logan is his name. He's the editor of Score Golf Magazine, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jason, good morning. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Good morning, Rick. Before we get to some of your predictions, and I, I love a lot of them because they're great, I, I do want to chat about uh, your thought, your gut feeling on the impact that Omicron, the latest variant of COVID-19, is having on the world of golf, and not just on the PGA Tour, but here in Canada. What do you think is going to be happening this spring, summer, and fall? Well, certainly I think that's a big question on a lot of golfers' minds, particularly here in Ontario after we were the only jurisdiction for a time there in the world where golf was shut down in the spring due to COVID. And obviously the numbers then were not nearly uh, what the numbers are now. Um, Now golf has proven to be very safe, very healthy, both a physical and mental escape during the pandemic. Um, To my knowledge, there have been no reported outbreaks at any golf course across Canada during the last two years. So certainly fingers crossed for golfers, for the golf industry, for golf courses, that if we are in this situation come the spring and the numbers remain this high, that golf courses will be permitted to open given how safe of a sport it is. Um, You know, I don't necessarily think golfers need clubhouses to be open. They don't necessarily need pro shops or, you know, certainly the golf courses would want them open, but just the ability to get outside and play golf and be, you know, socially distance um, jargon that we've come to know very, very well. Um, you know, we need that escape. So hopefully golf courses will be all good come the spring. Uh, to the highest level of golf being the PGA tour. Uh, is the Canadian open going to happen this year? Well, I sure hope so. Uh, I mean, two years of cancellations for both the men's and the women's opens are obviously disastrous, um, not necessarily financially, um, just for the momentum that both those tournaments have gained. You know, the RBC Canadian Open getting a new date in 2019 after years of being stuck with a horrible date. Of course, that happened right there in Hamilton at Hamilton Golf and Country Club, and it was just a smash success. And now two years of cancellations. So. Um, I certainly think that the plan right now is for them to go. I mean, obviously, if there's border closures, that's going to be a huge impediment. Uh, About 80% of the players on the PJ Tour are vaccinated, says the tour. So there shouldn't be any problems with the majority of guys coming over the border. I think it would just be a question of whether those players would um, be willing to go through any special protocols coming to Canada that they don't have to deal with on a weekly basis in the United States. 
Got a couple more minutes with Jason Logan. He's the editor of Score Golf Magazine here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. And Jason's made a number of predictions that uh, is uh, in a great opinion piece that I found on uh, the Toronto Star website, including uh, whether Tiger is going to play in the Masters and who is going to uh, stake claim to the best Canadian golfer title. Well, let's start with Tiger. Uh, almost a year ago now, he was in a very serious crash. His, his leg has been basically repaired. He has reappeared on uh, a golf course with his son Charlie not too long ago. Is he going to play at Augusta? Well, all signs would point to no, but I'm going to say yes. Uh, I like to go against the grain from time to time. And uh, look, this is a tournament that he he loves more than any other, obviously. Um, he knows the golf course more than any other. I don't think he would need a lot of preparatory work to play at Augusta National, the biggest obstacle would be how difficult of a golf course that is to traverse. I mean, it's up and down and extremely undulating more than any other course on tour. So that's the big issue, but it's still three months away. And he, you know, he said when he showed up at the PNC and before that at the event, he sponsors that, you know, he's working out every day and we saw how good his golf swing looks. So I just don't think he wants to miss this tournament twice in a year or twice in a row. Um, so while a lot of people are predicting that he won't be there, I'm going to say he's going to surprise us because Tiger Woods is stubborn and he surprises us all the time. <laughs> uh, two, <laughs> the two best Canadian golfers right now, Listowel Ontario's Corey Connors and Dundas native uh, Mackenzie Hughes duking it out. Uh, will one separate themselves from, uh, from the other this year? I don't know if one will separate themselves. Among my predictions, I did say that Corey Connors would win the Players' Championship, which is a massive, massive tournament in golf, a massive prize. It's the perfect type of golf course for him. Actually, it's the perfect type of golf course for McKenzie as well. You know, Corey is just, he's such a steady ball striker. Um, you know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes off the tee and into greens. McKenzie is a very tactical player, a very talented player who's, who's, Putting has been incredible the last couple of years. So I don't really think they're going to, one would separate themselves from each other. I think that Corey's got a little more experience contending in some big events, although McKenzie, you know, was in the final group at the U.S. Open last year. So listen, both their careers are, are on a great arc right now, and I think they're just going to continue to play better and better. A couple more predictions that you've made. Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs won't be hitting the links <laughs> early, so I, I, I like that prediction. And lastly, you will finally get a hole-in-one. Yeah, I, yeah. I will wish you good luck on that one. We're out of time. But, uh, yeah, good luck with all these predictions. They're, uh, they're great, and thanks for joining us today, Jason. Okay, thanks, Rick. Jason Logan, editor of Score Golf Magazine. Check him out online. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.